This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle. Ford Gronkowski makes the grab at the 45. Goal away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass from Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown, Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my cohort, cohort, cohort co-host, and... Co-bro, uh, co-whatever you want, co- co-cheese. <laughs> Co-conspirator, uh, Nick Stevens. Nick, how was your Thanksgiving? That was a fantastic Thanksgiving, Don. Too soon, too much, too good. I think my new favorite day in the calendar year is now officially the day after Thanksgiving, and not for the Black Friday sales. Thank God. All the joy of Thanksgiving, a day later, with better flavor and no pressure. And so the food just ages well, you oh, think? Oh, beautifully. Yeah. I see. I I do. I detest Black Friday, so I was afraid you were going to say something about shopping. Oh no, it's like my number That's one the staycation day. To avoid day. shopping. Oh yeah, by all means, stay home, Not enjoy cool. yourself and your family. Yeah, I actually was down in Florida um, at a family gathering, so I at least had pretty good weather. But uh, I, all in all, I thought the football was fairly disappointing, as we expected. Thanksgiving Day, the first game was the mm. best game. Yep. And then it got it got worse as the day unfolded. Although I will say, seeing the powder blue Charger uniforms always makes me happy. No oh, I love end. those. Those yeah. are top five throwback uniforms. To me, nothing good can happen to the Chargers until they go back to those full time. And I would add, with the numbers on the helmets like they wore in the '60s, because I thought that was the cool touch. Well, it is called Thanksgiving, and. Uh... The Chargers were very thankful that Dak Prescott was in such a giving mood, and that Ezekiel Elliott was on the bench again. That was a and and then that was a butt kick. And then did you did you think when you half watched, when you digestion, when you pie watched through the corner of one eye, Giants at Redskins, that that would be the final time that you would probably ever see most likely young Elijah start a game number ten. Number 10 in the jersey, but number one in your hearts. You can't spell elite without Eli. Well, that would be his last start. We are going to dive into that heavily, the Eli Manning benching. But I, I looked it up last night. I covered Eli's first career start. It was November 21st, 2004. After Kurt Warner had taken a biblical beating behind a porous 2004 Giants offensive line. Correct. The I mentor. Believe, I believe it was week 11 of that season. but uh, So it works out almost perfectly. So his last start was November 23rd. 13 years later, uh, 13 years and two days is the span of the 210 consecutive games that Eli started. And again, I, I want to get into that heavily. Um, I do have a little news, and I think you're going to be happy about this, a little surprise news right off the top of the podcast. Um, I love surprises. found out over Thanksgiving weekend that we have fan clubs. The podcast has fan clubs in both Germany and and Japan. Did you know this? Cover Germany, 2? Cover 2, like the NFL, is going international and trying to expand our horizons. I found out that we have substantial support, listenership, in Germany and Japan. Uh, and at the moment, it is largely because of my two 30-something nephews, Jarrett and Jeremy Banks. But I was able to see Jeremy and his lovely family uh, over the holiday and I found out that my nephews, my oldest brother's two sons, are avid, avid, every week, never miss an episode, cover two podcast fans. Really? And Hello, fans. And Jeremy, who is actually, I think he speaks four languages or 17 or something ridiculous like that, um, has actually elicited other people to listen to us. He lives in Germany. Uh Jarrett lives in Japan. They're both married with kids. Uh, my oldest brother was a missionary for a while, and so they grew up like living internationally. So they both actually settled internationally. And it's crazy because they are spreading the gospel of the pod of the Cover 2 podcast right now. 
Can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. <laughs> I, it's a viral global outbreak. Konnichiwa, fans. I, I want to say that we have been thinking far too domestically uh, on this podcast. We right. have to start, as the NFL, deciding to, to stake a fl- uh, some sort of flag in the ground. Yeah, we, we might need to get some international representation. I'll see if I can get my people on that. So, we, we do this from the uh, broadcast bunker, as we refer to it here in Patriot Place, but in the bowels of Gillette Stadium. And to our right is the map where they keep track for the Patriots Football Weekly radio shows where they get different callers from on an international level. They stick a pin in every country. They stick a pin in every country. And the majority of the map is covered, but it's amazing to see how much of Europe and then especially how much of Western Asia participates consistently in Patriot dialogue. So it would only stand to reason that we should be able to, well, you know, on the shoulders of giants— Build from there. We have. We're going to start our own map, and mm-hmm. we have three pins so far. I'm guessing the states, mm-hmm. Germany, Japan. Anyway, you that's the kn- shout out. That's fantastic. That I was asked to give by Jeremy, and I just did it. You so know, check, check. Love it. Anyway, I love a nice positive start to a podcast where I'll just be completely frank. As Patriots fan, as football fan, I feel weird coming out of what we thought would be and was a wonky, if subpar, week twelve, and now. Jimmy Garoppolo goes to start for another team right. as Tom Brady's dream robber calls it a career in Big Blue. This and is a weird what a usually people say like what a time to be alive. What a weird time to be whoever alive. Whoever thought we'd be saying the words Geno Smith starting quarterback in the NFL again. Jeez. It, and then you heard about Matt Lauer. I thought Eli Manning was having the worst week in New York. Woo. Another topic. Um <laughs> But let's let's dive headfirst into Eli Manning. There's so much to unpack. I went on a uh a Trumpian esque Twitter storm, storm last yeah. night about this, and I, and I don't do that often. Did you but end any of your tweets with sad exclamation I, points? I had no exclamation points, no all capitals. Any co- uh, any kofefe? I had no kofefe. I did not think uh, that this thing was handled well whatsoever. And uh, let me preface it by saying it. I'm not someone who says, oh, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't, I'm not sure he's a Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm not sure he's an all-time great. He's had a very quirky unique career. I can't think of anyone else who's had these two monstrous playoff runs, both earning rings in memorable fashion, and then very little else around it. And yes, he's been steady and consistent for the most part, but he's had some pretty bad stretches of play. So I'm not some pom-pom waiver for Eli. I've always said, I think he's somewhat overrated given the market he plays in. And I've also said, as I did three and two years ago, I thought it was Coughlin's time to go. I thought the luster of his Super Bowl championships had worn off. He wasn't getting the job done. It was about results. So I'm not nitpicking this about Eli's performance per se. I am nitpicking this, how they handled it, how abrupt it felt, how little groundwork they did to prepare people for it, how clearly it caught everyone by surprise, Eli included, and how ham-handed it felt yesterday to run him out there and have him emotional at his locker instead of in a press conference setting where they could kind of, I don't know, feed him a little bit. I I just felt like this was not the way to acknowledge his significance to that franchise, and that's the word I think he has. He has great significance to that franchise. I think you nailed it. Nailed it. He has more significance to that franchise and that franchise, if you will, the fan base, than he does – to the laurels of great NFL quarterbacks, multiple Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Yes, as Pats fan, I can sit here and say I full well respect and admire the fact that he beat the greatest of all time twice when it all counted. But the body of work, the consistency, I mean, aside from the consistency of the 210 straight starts, you have a hard time pointing to a lot of great other Eli Manning benchmarks, Eli Manning epic games sure there were a lot of seasons where he like threw two and a half times as many touchdowns as interceptions all right had a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks he was great always cool under pressure in the fourth quarter i happen to have had a best buddy in college who went to the same private school that the mannings did and there his younger brother was uh newman oh newman right and his younger brothers good friends with uh was friends with the mannings and the story always was that in the manning family uh, Eli would have been the one that would be able to sign the important papers or make the the big decisions. That he was mom's favorite because he was he was. A, 
a duck's butt, if you will. Yeah. Everything just sort of rolls off him. He was the most level-headed of all. So that's why, I guess, in a lot of ways, given his tools, he probably performed well under pressure. Now, that said, he didn't pull... There's just something about, like, Peyton's the great one in that family. I hate right. to say it. We never knew what Cooper could have been. Peyton's an all-timer. Eli, th- what's wrong with just being a really good he quarterback? He was very, very good. He was very, very good. He and was he, better than most of us expected. And he had those two unbelievably defining moments in those playoff runs. And you can't take that away from him. I don't think greatness is the right word for him. Toughness against Green Bay in 2008. Toughness against San Francisco in that oh, when he took a. I was at that game. An, a, a, a savage beating at the hands of that amazing, that underrated San Francisco defense, and yet endured. And of course, the special teams turnovers. Played great against Green Bay in the 2011 postseason, and then made one unbelievable throw in each Super Bowl that allowed Justin Tuck, who should have been the MVP of both of those Super Bowls, as far as I'm concerned, to. Well, come on, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, it's pretty I'm amazing. You. I'm with you. But, but he's he's propped up to be like this top ten quarterback of all time. He's not. He's great. Yes. He's a very very good to at times great quarterback. Now all this said, the way he stomped on my dreams and the dreams of a lot of other Pats fans and got in the way of Brady's. I mean, listen, Brady still, you know who Brady is. The Giants did him such disservice yesterday. They did him so dirty to leave him. In a noisy locker room, answering wrong. questions about a 13-year, two Super Bowl victory run with no time in, to really process. With it, no I... time to process it, with no, no, no. It was so unheralded, in virtual, virtually in tears. Here's what I would was despicable. Here's my point was: I get it. Time marches on in the NFL, and everybody can be replaced eventually. Eli Manning in New York is not immune to that. Absolutely, it just didn't feel like it should have gone down this way. I, I think. You don't say – see, they let Coughlin finish the season. I think they let Eli finish the season. But even if they don't, wait till the last two weeks. Let it build for three weeks. Put it out there that they really would like a look at Davis Webb. This isn't about Geno. I'm sorry. Geno's going to start this week. This is about getting – I guarantee you Davis Webb plays more than Geno Smith in these last five weeks. Do they really think there's anything in Geno Smith? So Geno Smith's been in the league, what, five years? Uh, drafted in 2013. 13, yeah. So three, four, five, six, four and a half seasons in. He is what he is. I, I think this is about Davis Webb, but to me, you could have waited longer and prepared people for this, and maybe then, if you're down through your last two weeks, maybe then Manning does feel like it's okay if he wants to start the game and give give the guys the second half. I don't know. All I know is this was not handled the way that Eli Manning deserved it to be handled. I'm really surprised that John Mara... Um, kind of let it go down this way because I know I had a former Giants player, a longtime veteran, tell me he thinks of Eli like his son because Eli helped put those two tr- shiny trophies uh, on in the cabinet while while John Mara was in charge. So I I really felt like they were going to do him right at the end in a way like they did Coughlin because they they let him have his moment um, of the, appreciation. Sure, in the same way that we feel that Mr. Kraft would probably never allow Tom Brady to be run out of town or shown the door inappropriately or too quickly here in Foxborough as well. We thought that Eli, because of the relevance that he restored the Giants to after a couple stumbles, that maybe he was just going to be given his own chance for a proper respectful exit if you think you need to get a look at davis webb you don't just tell eli with five games left you're done now go hold a clipboard and feel you know now feel like day old donuts watching ben mcadoo geno smith oh this is what i love geno smith you're not good enough to play for the jets However, you are good enough to replace Eli Manning on the Giants. What, there's just so many things wrong there's with so, that. There's just so much wrong with that. If you want to get a look at Davis Webb, you put him in, in the second half. You give him a couple of fourth quarter looks, and you let Eli know, like, listen, this is the way it's going to be. This will right. probably be the end of the run at the end of this year. And I, I have no problem with them moving no, on after this year with Eli. I still think – I told you I think they should have traded him to Jacksonville. Yeah. Tom Coughlin should have been able to acquire him. You tell Blake Bortles, sorry, you're Blake Bortles, and you bring Eli down there. And you go for a run with that great defense there. It would have been like Eli on the 2008, 2007 Giants all I, over again. I spoke to a former Giants offensive coach 
under, uh, during the Manning years yesterday, and he said the thing that kills me, and and I had heard this from Peyton too, he said the consecutive start streak for Eli, he thinks that's in some ways that is the ultimate accomplishment of an NFL player, answering the bell, being available and accountable to your teammates week in and week out. Peyton Manning told me himself that his little streak with Jeff Saturday as a center quarterback together more than any quarterback-center tandem in NFL history meant almost as much to him as anything he accomplished in the NFL for that very same reason. So the Mannings feel very strongly about that accountability consecutive streak. So to take that away kind of ham-handedly and say, yeah, we'll let you do it, but we'll tarnish it in the process if you want to, I – yeah, Do you I'm think glad, it's tarnished on? I'm glad he did not go for that and say for five weeks. What they did, though, is say for five weeks, stand over there and feel like this is all your fault, this two and nine, and feel irrelevant. Right, because remember when he got Odell Beckham hurt? Remember right. when he helped Brandon Marshall get hurt and remember Sterling when Shepard? Remember when he let the secondary get torched repeatedly? Yeah, remember when he drafted that offensive line? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, no. it's, it's just, anyway, just patently absurd. Where where's he going to land? Uh, Where's he going to land? I'll tell you, someplace that Ben McAdoo's not coaching. <laughs> and by the way, guess who just signed his own termination papers in New York? If Eli never yeah, has to buy a beer or a steak dinner in the five boroughs, guess who's never even going to hey, get a Pepsi ordered for guess him? Guess who's off the hook? Ray Hanley. You're no longer the most hated <laughs> Giants coach. Congratulations, Ray Hanley. He's having a Mercury Morris-esque <laughs> champagne-popping party since, right now. Since the end of the 92 season, you have been the most vilified figure in Giants coaching history. Forget Ali Sherman. Forget Alex Webster. It was Ray Hanley. We have a winner. No more calls. Everybody out of the pool. So right. uh, that's McAdoo's fate now. Do I think that there is a reunion in store in Jacksonville? Yes. Likely. I do. I think they draft an, I think they draft somebody else next year. I think they bring in Eli for a season or two. I think he goes plays for the Colonel or the yep. General. Yep. Uh, Mr. Coffin. But what if, what if John Elway says, He's got more fans down there, probably. What if John Elway's sitting there in Denver with no clue and says, wait a minute, there's a Manning on the market. Ring. Hello. Peyton. I mean, Eli, how you doing? <laughs> he said, we made, we made this happen once. I mean, how much sense would that make for Denver, with all its cluelessness on the quarterback front right now, to say, wait a minute, we got four years out of Peyton, two Super Bowls, we can get two years. And he couldn't even feel his shoulder in his neck by the end. <laughs> two years and at least one ring out of uh, Eli. So, to me, I put it at Jacksonville 1, Denver 2, Um but there are a number of teams. There's just a number of teams. What if the Jets go after him? What about that? Want to just switch sides? You don't have to move. You don't have to. You don't have to unpack a box. We didn't dump you for Gino. We dumped Gino for you, exactly. Eli. Exactly. Ah, oh, it's just so weird. It came out. Of, we all kept speculating. Like, is Eli going to get benched? Is this is this the end of his run? Yeah. And we thought it likely, but we didn't just see. Like, we didn't just all expect Not to come home. And then see mom waiting at the front door going, I have something to tell you about right. your father. Like, what the heck? I knew you guys were arguing a little bit after dinner, but I didn't He didn't, didn't even have coming. his snack, you know? <laughs> he he was supposed to have his snack. Yeah, he put his keys in the bowl and took his backpack off. And kind of just decompress a little bit. I, I really, I did feel for him. Um, and I'm not, I'm not pie in the sky. Oh, you know, he, again, I don't think he was a legend, I, but I think he was meaningful to that organization in a way that yesterday did not feel right. Okay. Right. Very quickly, Jimmy G's time has finally come in San Francisco, and my question is, what took so long? Was it that two-for-two two passing at the end of the Seattle loss the other day? <laughs> or did they just say, gosh, he cuts a dashing figure in that number 10 red jersey? You ever seen a fan base more excited about scoring a touchdown to end a game and seal an 11-point defeat? Only the gamblers. Really? And the fact that, look, we all knew as soon as they got him, this is what they wanted. And I think John Lynch was rightly protecting the asset that they lucked into in a lot of ways. But for the fans to just cheer for C.J. Beathard's injury so as to get a look at the Jimmy G era for their future, uh, talk about, like, bad late 80s, early 90s Philadelphia level look, Philadelphia fan base level looks. That said, it's time. Want to yeah. see what you got? He moves around a hell of yeah. a lot better than Eli does. 
I would take the plastic off and and let people sit on the couch and say how how comfortable is it. And mm-hmm. I I thought it should have happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for whatever reason, it did not. All right, very quickly, another topic: Should Kansas City be doing what the New York Giants are doing, benching their veteran QB who came into the league not in 04, but in 05 with a playoff berth still in their possession? Let's discuss. Well. Alex Smith is used to getting replaced by strong-armed, very mobile quarterbacks. Good point. Uh, and the young he's, thing. He's the, actually good. He's actually the, great at this. He'd be like, guys, I'm super good at the gracious exit. And the pretty young thing is always yeah. replacing Alex Smith. Oh, sure. Grass yeah. is always greener when it can throw a football 70 yards on a rope running to its right. Uh, if you're Kansas City, you you have to almost think, like, we scored 10 points at home against Buffalo who just came off of a three-game 135 points allowed streak. How could we not do any better? Kansas City's offense isn't just hurting. It's broken. It's it's done. I think they need to replace Alex Smith with Pat Mahomes. I, I do, too. I mean, he's I, already done. Look, I think that offense, it, it's not just a little slump. It's five out of six now. That offense in week one had this unbelievable big play lightning strike capability for whatever reason now they're back to dink and dunk well travis kelsey says they've just the the whole nfl is playing cover two against them and they can't solve it um that's been around a while it's been around a while travis yeah Yeah, i'm andy Reid out of the bye is usually money in the bank and they lost the giants and they lost to the giants (laughs) this is all tied together the giants this is all tying together it's weird yeah and think about this all the strings on the map eli number one overall in 04 alex smith number one Overall in 05. How about that? Right. I've got chills. You got chills? This is weird. Yeah. Um, this is the Kaiser Soze moment. I should have teased this at the top of the show. I'm not the best co-host in a podcast history, but we have a really interesting guest today. We have Robert Smith, the f- former longtime Minnesota Vikings running back, current Fox Sports college football analyst. I love his work on, on Fox. He obviously did a long tenure with ESPN as well, but he's really good on college football, the former Ohio State. Robert was simply one of the most interesting, intriguing, intelligent players I've ever covered. I got to cover him from the 96 through the 99 seasons, four years, his prime with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And he agreed to be our podcast guest this week to talk some college football, because let's be honest, it's almost early December, Mm -hmm. and it's it's college playoff time yeah and and big 10 and conference championship weekend and we have a lot to discuss not to not to mention the whirlwind of activity uh, on the coaching front in the college ranks so we actually taped I, i should say this up front we taped robert smith on tuesday morning so the college football rankings had not come out yet uh but we still discussed them with him and got his projection but we're going to go now to Robert Smith, Fox uh, college football analyst for Fox Sports. All right, joined now on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens by a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, Robert Smith, the former great Minnesota Vikings running back and current Fox Sports college football studio analyst, also a commercial star now on some of those pieces with uh, Wanstat and Leinert and company. Robert, welcome to the Cover 2 Podcast. So many things, uh, topics out of the college football world this past weekend. I don't want to waste any time. Um, let's start with what I think was kind of the um, the saddest story in a while in college football, the Greg Schiano saga at Tennessee. Uh, for those of you who may have missed that headline, Greg Schiano, the Ohio State assistant coach, former Bucks head coach, former Rutgers head coach, agreed to a deal to coach the Tennessee Volunteers, um, and then basically the same day had the deal rescinded because of the outcry on social media, largely from Tennessee fans, Tennessee backers, because of a story that Shiano might have seen or known something connected uh, to the Jerry Sandusky case at Penn State. Um, despite those allegations never being proven and being denied by all the relevant parties under oath, the social media um, lynch mob, as it were, um, really uh, went to work on Chiano as a candidate in Tennessee, and and the Vols walked away from him. Uh, interested on in your take on how that went down, and um, if you think um, if you think Tennessee made a uh, I guess a tough spot, even tougher for itself. 
Yeah, I think that they did. And, you know, it's interesting, Don, go back uh, about 12 years, and it was actually a conversation that I had with you before I got into this industry. And you said that, uh, that, that the sports media, it's like an echo chamber. And, you know, I've come to find out that all media is like that, and social media especially. And so, you know, once a story uh, gets legs like that, regardless of the, the truth of the story or uh, the details of the story, uh, you know, there's, there's, this, there's this backlash. And I think part of the backlash has to do with just Tennessee fans in general being upset about the state of their program uh, and, in their minds, hiring somebody that, that they didn't want. You know, part of it's the disappointment in some of the candidates uh, that they might not have gotten uh, but I think that you're right. I think that they've made a bad situation worse. Uh, and, and because they made this unfair uh, decision based on, as you said, uh, you know, a third-party uh, hearsay uh, allegation that was uh, denied in court under oath and a story that was vetted by Ohio State, vetted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, prior to this, that they make a bad job even more toxic, and that's that's the most interesting part of this is that they're going to make it more difficult to find a good candidate that they want. They almost have to turn to somebody that has Vols ties that will take that job almost despite the stench that now is attached to it, correct? Yeah, and Jason Witten isn't taking it, so they can forget about that. Right, right. That was, that was silly season personified right there, the Jason Witten to retire immediately from Dallas Cowboys while he still has game and to take the Tennessee Falls job. He quickly uh, dismissed that. Interested in another huge story, we're joined with uh, on the Cover 2 podcast by Robert Smith, the Vikings running back, former Vikings running back, who I covered. Uh, I might add, uh, Robert played from 93 to 2000. She struggled to stay healthy in the NFL for three seasons. Then he met me in 1996 in training camp, and he went on to have a great NFL career, uh, becoming the second leading Vikings rusher all time. Uh, I think that's a myopic view, but pretty accurate, correct, Robert? Well, I mean, it was actually four seasons. So in '96, I got hurt on Monday Night Football oh, that's before right. the don't, before don't. the horse collar before the horse collar rule, and I keep giving Wanstat the business over that. I said, "You guys were teaching horse collar." That's right, Walt Harris. But uh, but yeah, I became the leading rusher, and then Adrian Peterson, some some kid out of Oklahoma, I guess. I, I, I not heard of him. The school. I have not heard of him. <laughs> yeah, he he passed me up. <laughs> anyway, I did cover you in your prime. I, I, I want to say that those four years between 96 and the end of the 99 season, although you did go for 1,521 yards leading the NFC in 2000, as I recall, before you pulled a Jim Brown and stepped away um, after eight NFL seasons wisely. Um, anyway, back to college football. The Chip Kelly hire. I was fascinated. A lot of people thought he was going to take the Florida job. I never saw Florida for him. He's the only guy in town that matters in Gainesville. He goes to UCLA back in the um, the conference where he made his name. Your quick take on the Chip Kelly Chip Kelly to the Bruins? I think it's I think it's a great hire for UCLA, and I think it's it's interesting to note when he was the the uh, head coach at Oregon, he was going into LA and getting all kinds of players as well. And, and listening to Leinart uh, react to the news, uh, it's not good news for USC. Uh, because it, it, it's a hotbed, obviously, out there for recruiting. They get a lot of good athletes, you know, in, in right in L.A., all the way down through Orange County and into San Diego and then throughout the rest of the state. Uh, and with him being out there, uh, a lot of those players are going to want to go play for him. You know, my, my, my big question with Chip Kelly is, is always going to be, you know, who's going to be the defensive coordinator? Right. And he had Don Pelham there, <laughs> excuse me, at Oregon. Um, but when you look at the Oregon teams that have struggled, uh, it's it's the defensive side of the ball. And I think uh, with him having that familiarity with the L.A. area, he's going to be able to get some of those athletes as well. I think it's a great hire. Ten-second take. Dan Mullen to Florida. Scott Frost most likely to Nebraska. Don't you agree he'll go to his alma mater? Um, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, and maybe it's because of the season that UCF is ha- having and him not wanting uh, to create a distraction. Uh, but you could tell with the athletic director, uh, you know, when uh, when they fired Mike Riley, you know, the praise that was heaped upon Scott Frost. Right. I don't think that was accidental at all. Uh, and and I, I would be surprised 
uh, if an athletic director would say things like that uh, if some sort of deal wasn't in the works because it, it definitely makes other candidates think, hey, I wasn't your first guy. So I think it, uh, it it was a calculated statement. You like the Mullen to Florida move? Is that as good as Florida can get right now in a weakened state? Yeah, I think that it is. And, and I think that his familiarity and his history with the program is going to help because I think that, you know, with the struggles that they've had on the offensive side of the ball that, you know, a lot of players that have decided to go other places because they didn't believe in what was going on there, uh, they're going to have much more comfort in knowing that a guy that's familiar with the school, familiar uh, obviously with recruiting in, in, in Florida, but more importantly, a guy that knows offense and knows how to, uh, and knows how to uh, uh, create an environment and a, a structure that can produce uh, uh, successful offensive teams, which has been the real problem uh, that he's going to be there. Talking college football, we usually stick to the NFL pretty um, strictly on the Cover 2 podcast with Robert Smith, the former great Vikings running back, current Fox Sports college football analyst. This is being taped on Tuesday morning, Robert. The college football playoff rankings are going to come out tonight. Alabama and Miami lose last weekend. Kind of an epic weekend right there to have two of the top four lose. I have to ask, what's your top four right now, knowing that the rankings are going to come out in a few hours? Yeah, so I, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough to tell between Oklahoma uh, and and Clemson at the top, but I think you're going to see some combination there. I, you know, I, my my guess is Oklahoma. So I would say Oklahoma one. Uh, and then Clemson at number two, um, and then number three, or excuse me, it would probably be Auburn at number two, and then Clemson at number three, uh, and then at number four I expect to see Wisconsin. Yeah, I was, I was, I was hoping you were going to say that. Now, I lived in Madison, Wisconsin due to my wife's job from late 08 to early 12, and we lived five minutes from Camp Randall, so I kind of got into the – the uh, the atmosphere there and became a bit of a Wisconsin Badgers college football fan. Now you're an Ohio State Buckeye who bravely, I might add, held up their their uh, Ohio State jersey the other day in front of a Michigan stadium mob yeah, brave, behind you. Brave, stupid, they're all the same. <laughs> I was watching and I was laughing, thinking that was like a red bull or a red cape in front of bulls. You were waving, but it worked out. It worked out. Um, Ohio State, does, do your Bucks crush Wisconsin that has made it to 12-0 and without a quarterback uh, in the Big Ten title game on, on Saturday? No, they're not going to crush them. Uh, Wisconsin's too good defensively. And I know that they haven't faced an offense with the type of athletes that Ohio State has. But I've seen enough struggles, especially along the offensive line. And uh, Isaiah Prince, the right tackle, was banged up in the Michigan game. Uh, you know, who knows how healthy he's going to be. Um, I've seen enough struggles there where I think Wisconsin can slow this offense down uh, to a degree. I think, you know, the real question is going to be if Jonathan Taylor gets slowed down by Ohio State, will right. Wisconsin uh, be able to throw the ball with Hornbrook consistently? We've seen ups and downs with him. He had a better game last week. Um, so that, I think that's, that's a real question. And, and I actually spent uh, four days in uh, Madison last week before going to Ann Arbor and uh, was with uh, was with Barry Alvarez at Camp Randall Stadium, took a little tour over there, so I got a chance to see it up close and personal, including his statue with in front of the stadium, which really impressed my kids. Yeah, I, when I first moved there, uh, Brad Childress, former Vikings head coach, yeah. longtime Wisconsin assistant under Alvarez, said, you got to meet Barry. He's the only man in town that matters. So he hooked me up. I went up to Alvarez's office, which doubles as an Alvarez Museum shrine, you might have yeah. noticed if you were in it. It's, it's quite the spectacle. But anyway, let's switch ever so quickly, and this is the last topic, to some NFL talk. Are your Vikings at 9-2, and two, are they for real as a Super Bowl contender? Are you starting to buy that this may be the team that could actually play a Super Bowl on its own home field? Yeah, I think I think that you know, the, the pieces are there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, we've seen what they've been able to do, and Case Keenum has been so solid, uh, you know, in replacing Sam Bradford. Uh, you know, that's, that's, it's been really impressive, and, uh, you know, the, the talented wide receiver has been tremendous, especially with Thielen stepping up. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot more after, after seeing them against the Falcons this weekend. But you know how the NFL is, especially at the elite level, you know, 
the difference between winning and losing can be one or two plays. Or a field goal. There's no question. There's no question. I'm sorry. What did you say, Don? Or a field goal in Vikings' case. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> 19 years. Yeah, I was I was even thinking of more recently Blair Walsh, but, yes, I'm sorry for hitting the Gary Anderson button, too, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that, it's okay. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so close. But I'm excited to see it because, you know, Philadelphia is right there, obviously. You know, we saw the Saints lose this past weekend uh, to the Rams, but – you know, there, there are a lot of teams bunched right up there at the top. This is going to be an unbelievable playoff uh, season, I think. But there's there's no question Minnesota has the pieces this year. It's just, you know, it's it's professional football, man. So I know. Uh, the difference, once again, very, very small, but they definitely have what it takes. Well, I was very impressed with the way they went into Detroit. That was a game a lot of Vikings teams would have found a way to lose. And, and they made it close, closer than it should have been, but they got the W um to not let detroit pull within one and own the tiebreaker that should should give them the nfc north now i think they have bigger fish than that um to go after anyway robert smith joining us on the cover two podcast robert one of the all-time favorite players i've ever covered um had that privilege for four years in the late 90s thank you for joining us on the cover two podcast robert and all the best enjoy your work on fox sports and um keep it up Thank you. All right. Thanks, Don. Take it easy. All the best. Really? You had to go Gary Anderson? I didn't mean to go. I was actually doing Blair Walsh. Right. But it's so funny because the Falcons and the Vikings are playing this week. I know. That's I should have said. Great, finally, yeah. we get a good game this week. But at the same time, i got to be honest. It's like if I was going to talk to anyone from the Giants, like how do I not mention Tyree? Right. How do you not go Manningham? It's going to happen. Yeah, and look, I was the beat writer for that team, and I've never been more certain a team was going to the Super Bowl than that 15-1 to Going to the Super Bowl. They were in it. They were going to clean house they, in that They Super were Bowl. in it. But, um, yeah. And uh, the Gary Anderson reference, I didn't really mean it, but he heard it. It's so funny because I should have got him going. Uh, I should have said, hey, uh, it's Falcons-Vikings this week. Mm-hmm. What do those teams have in common? And then just stood back because he can get going. That, that oh, game, sure. That loss still hurts. Not if only, you ever want to see Chris Carter kind of lose it, bring that game up. Oh, I'm sure because since Randy Moss is a Hall of Fame Nominee now, and I think a, a worthy candidate. Never got a ring. Never got a Super Bowl ring. Twice denied. Once with a conference championship, and then once at the hands of Eli. And yep. David Tyree. Dang yep. it. But stay with me. Uh, they were they that that was a that was an epic team. Yeah. And Robert Smith, I'm really sorry to have missed the interview, but it's such a great listen. I, I he can I could listen to him talk NFL these matchups this week, college football playoffs. I'd also love to hear what he has to say. Looking at this amazing weekend of college football we have coming up, and I think this is probably the week that the college football schedule, as good as week 13 will be for the NFL, kind of dwarfs it. This is a kill. This is your college football. If divisional round weekend is your favorite NFL weekend, I think conference championship weekend is the best. Yeah. This is a great weekend of football. I'd love for him to come back after the season's over. He said and, he would. And and give us a – I'd like to hear his draft analysis. I'd like to hear who he thinks should go where and what kind of fit they would be. So I was keeping score, and he, he slightly messed up. He had Oklahoma 1 yep. and Clemson 3. And Clemson had that slip-up. It's not Clemson. It's Clemson, as they reminded me down there. <laughs> Clemson. P's, P's invisible, Nick. Uh, the Clemson's at 1. Oklahoma's at 2, and I think Oklahoma's no, the best No, Auburn's team. at 2. He, uh Auburn is. Oh, two. this is the AP twenty five. Yes. Right. you've got the. I've sorry. got Clemson one, Auburn two, Oklahoma three, Wisconsin mm-hmm. four. He had just slipped, switched Clemson and Oklahoma, um, it, but it, it's a it is a tough, and I'm glad it's tough because some years it has not. How about been. Auburn, a two loss team, inching their way back in there. Georgia now, Georgia Alabama this weekend. That's a single elimination playoff game. Yep, absolutely. The SEC championship game has never had has has not in a long time had this much juice on it. This is in essence this weekend. Is, I heard someone say it's it's the college football playoff quarterfinals, and then we go to the semifinals. You know, we've talked. Yeah, people, big time fans, have talked about how good would it be if it was a, a six teamer or maybe eight teams, eight. which is an inevitability. It kind of feels like this, an eight this week. It's finally played out the right way. Right. Exactly. All right. Well. Robert Smith, uh, we're going to have him back because oh, he, sure. he is good. He's good on the NFL, good on college football, and those guys as analysts are are rare. And I'd love to. Who do you, so we get Stanford USC Friday night, Memphis UCF. Believe believe it or not, is yep. actually a decent game. TCU Oklahoma. The over under should be a hundred, and I'm taking the over. <laughs> I love Baker Mayfield. I know you do. I know he's. I got I something for him. 
Don't uh, don't, don't pull fall a, in love. I know. Well, don't pull a Baker Mayfield against. Uh, was it Kansas? Where he, right? He he disgraced himself. Yeah. Well, if I saw Eli on the other sideline, even would. though as much as I'd love to throw him some respect, you I may grab Mayfield the crotch. Him. With Georgia, Auburn, Ohio State, Wisconsin from. Lucas Oil from finalist Banner Field Saturday night as well. That's going to be a great weekend. All right, before we pivot to Week 13 in the NFL, let's let's do one fun thing because I I think at this time of year everybody thinks, oh, we know who the playoff teams. We always get surprised. Let's remember something. There has been, I think, each of the last four years, a team at 500 or below, sometimes considerably below, at this point of the year that still made the playoffs. Here's a quick refresher. Okay. Last year, Houston was 6-6, six and six, won three in a row, clinches the AFC South with the week to go, and, and went on to finish 9-7. and seven. Uh, The year before, um, the Packers – no, I'm, I'm skipping. The year before, Washington was 5-7 and seven at this point and won the NFC East at 9-7. and seven. Remember that run? I sure do. All right. Then the year before I that, it. in 14 – the Panthers, this was my favorite. The Panthers were 3-8-1. and one. I will repeat, 3-8-1 and one, and won the NFC South at 7-8-1. and one in, With a in, record of the same area code I grew up in, 7-8-1. Unbe- unbelievable. And then didn't Green Bay go 8-7-1 and one the year before? And, and actually, uh, I think it was that. Yes, you're right. It was the year before. The, the 2013 season, that's when he came back from his previous Right. Injury, the Packers were 5-6-1 and one that year, 2013. Yep. Held on, got him back, and they won at 8-7-1, winning at Chicago in Week 17, dramatically with a big pass, as I recall, to Randall Cobb. Um, and also in 2014, same year as the Panthers, the Chargers were 5-7 and seven and won the AFC West at 9-7. and seven. So, kids, the lesson is it ain't over for teams that are under 500. So let's play a little game. Which of the current under 500 team or teams will be in the 12-team playoff field this year? Can I put two teams on a coin and say that that coin will stay in suspended animation for the final five weeks? It's no, your that's, podcast. That's too cheap. Uh, I, I, I'm only a cohort co-host. <laughs> Coaches. Who are you going with? Uh First team I'd have to say would be uh, the Carson Chargers. I agree. I'd have to go with I Soccer agree. Stadium. That's the favorite. Phil. Because have, that 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 that, that five and seven. You are what your record says. I understand. They're that. five and six. Tuna five and six. Excuse They're me. They're five and six. They're five and six. There's not five and six talent on that team. Nobody wants this division. No. Nobody. Look, they're a game behind Kansas City. They still play Kansas City. I believe it's at Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, they've won five out of seven. In that division, when you've got Denver losing seven in a row, you've got the Raiders sputtering, and you've got the Chiefs going from five and zero to six and five. Um, the, the Chiefs Char- are in a death spiral. Right Chargers now, have say. a lot, yeah. a lot going for themselves. So that is the chic pick for this particular. It has but to I'll, be. I'll give you two others that I think you should not forget about. The Raiders are also five and six, and look, they got a little bit of momentum. Getting ahead twenty-one nothing against Denver at home the other day, the fight. Who knows? Maybe. Their losing streak, much like Crabtree's chain, was snapped. I got right. It. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I see what you did there. Maybe they got a little bit of uh, uh, of their mojo back when they fired Kenny Norton Jr. at defensive coordinator, uh, elevating John Pagano, brother of Chuck. Uh, so let's bear let's let's bear that in mind. And then the other team, and this one's going to surprise you. But if I, I read the whole, you know, statistics of, or the uh, analytics of of the playoff chances, Cincinnati Bengals at five and six are not done. Well, they got Joe. They finally have figured out they've cracked the Mixon code, and they seem to finally now. Was Matt be, Damon in that? Was Matt Damon in that? The Mixon uh, code. Actually, I think it was Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. The they've gotten they got they finally got Mixon going. Andy Dalton's playing better. The defense. Geno Atkins kind of ha- has that believe the most sacks in his career in a season, and they're only three quarters, not even three quarters of the way through the season. Defense is playing well. Andy Dalton's throwing the ball to his team, not the other team. That's and now critical. Mixon has, which is I, I've, I've, I've been told it's an important facet. It's a big step of quarterbacking. It's a big step. And now you got Mixon, you got him mixing it up back I'm, there. I'm telling you, watch out. They could knock the Steelers off this coming Monday night. They're at home, mm-hmm. and if they do, obviously. 
I think if they lose, they're done. I really do. I heard uh, Shannon Sharp on insert name of two guys arguing here on FS1 or whatever the name of the show is, laid out a case the other day for why he doesn't think the Steelers are everything that their 9-2 and record indicates. A lot of three-point wins against teams that they should have beat oh, by agreed. more than three points. Yeah. At, may, it, are they are – they, are maybe the Patriots' defense isn't as good as the the uh, seventeen points or less streak they're on, but at the same time, are the Steelers not as good as their nine and two record indicates? Because I I agree, I could see the Bengals laying laying one to them Monday night. Yep, I I think the Bengals are an intriguing team. So there's are three teams. Let's be honest, it should happen in the AFC this year. The NFC is too stacked. The only scenario I thought that was remotely plausible, and it sounds funny coming out of my mouth, is. The Packers at five and six, if they could run the table with who they have left and get to ten and six, and that presupposes getting Rodgers back, I think, for the last three games of the year. Yeah, but hey, Brett Hundley, welcome to the NFL finally. Thanks right. for finally putting in a a, a a performance worthy of the draft pick and the time they put into you. And let's be honest, they have winnable games coming up. I think it's Cleveland and Tampa Bay. They were it's, finally fun to watch again. That so, was nice. You can see the Packers winning those games to get to six and five, or I'm sorry, that would six put them. They're, they're five and six they're now. They're five correct? and six. That would put them. Um, why can't I do this math? That would put them seven and six, and then Rodgers winning three in a row because we have seen him do table running. I think the luster the has fallen off the Lions. The only problem for the Packers, in addition to having lost a couple games that now they're probably kicking themselves for losing, is. There's a little bit more of a log. I mean, there's a real logjam of talent in the NFC. Yes. Yeah. I mean, ten, we, we have, Seattle and the Rams are both. Probably we have ten gonna, good teams in the NFC. I'd say you got. I'd say you got two, or, two or three great teams. Right. Five to six very good teams and one or two goodish teams. Whereas in the AFC, you've got. You don't m- even have six good teams. No, you moment. don't. No, you really don't. They need to. I, they need to borrow one from is the ba- NFC. Does Baltimore feel like? I mean, really. They can't throw the ball whatsoever. They, they really can't score. So, And don't worry about the Houston Texans somehow stringing together a couple of surprise wins. Um, I had a chance earlier to ask Tom Savage uh, how he felt about their playoff chances, and he said, we good? Not, yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Now, to be fair, no one was in the room. Did you hear the real story that the reporters were all in the locker room yeah. and apparently no no reporters? And he was almost being funny, but he did get killed initially. Yeah, he, went, he, he went and talked to the media by his locker. I thought it was funny. It Actually, was I, funny. I, I, I appreciated the fact that he could have a sense of humor about it, given uh, what just happened, exactly. because they had every right to be in that game. And he threw a cup. That last pick was pretty bad. Three turnovers. Yeah. He'd done his leg, and Bill O'Brien basically said, what am I thinking running him out there okay so you heard it here first those are your four teams i would put them in the order of chargers bengals raiders packers if they are in the playoffs uh you heard it on the cover two podcast first looked or don, second or third don talking about that afc west it seems like no one wants to win the chiefs are at the jets this coming sunday they already a they've already lost at jet life at metlife stadium now they could lose at I jet like life jet stadium life. i like jet life because the jets are playing Hell of a lot better than the Giants were when they lost to them. You got the Raiders coming into Kansas City the week after. Sure, that was a, a great Thursday night game a few weeks back. But if the Raiders get that little surge that you think that they got from firing Ken Norton and beating the Broncos last week, eh, maybe that's tougher than expected. The Chargers come to Arrowhead. The Dolphins, they should be able to win. And then they finish the season on the road in Denver, New Year's Eve at 430. Okay, I got the Chiefs going three and two the rest of the way. Right. So if the Chargers win out, yeah. or if they go four and one, we could have a little log jammer there. We could have a little AFC West tie. Well, they would have the tiebreaker if they can win the game at Kansas City. Correct. They would have they would have swept the series. So if they go four and one the rest of the way, and, and the Chiefs providing pull the they win that two, Kansas City game, and I don't know what it is that's making me think the Chiefs are going to go three and two because I they know. just went one and five. I was going to say well, you're being and optimistic. we're non-competitive. So. Anyway, week 13, there's not a, a, a ton of great games, but there's more than last week. Uh, which Vikings-Falcons will be fun. Vikings-Falcons, and again, sorry, Robert Smith, that's a 98 title game rematch, this time in Atlanta. But those are two good teams. Atlanta, I wrote this in my snap judgments, the hangover might be over. Uh, they've looked like the Falcons offensively. So uh, lighten up on Steve Sarkeesian. Best deep ball thrown on the... 
Falcons now. Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, six. Who's Sanu? Right. That was a nice pass. He, he dropped that right. He was a quarterback. In Julio's basket. He was a quarterback. He can really throw. Um, yeah, that was a great. That was a great throw and and a pretty good. Uh, Pretty good recovery on the bobble, but Minnesota Atlanta's a good game. How about Carolina at New Orleans? That's a listen. You could if your TV only receive for some reason if you have a strange television and it only gets NFC games, you could go easily from Vikings Falcons at one o'clock right right into Panthers Saints and have a great Sunday, and then go to Philly at Seattle and stay in the conference for Sunday night football, and then just and then have a. Uh, and then have a digestif of back in the AFC of Steelers at Bengals Monday night. You know what? Maybe you walk by, uh, do some shopping. You see a television that has Patriots bills in the window Sunday at one. Now that Buffalo won last Sunday in Arrowhead, that game's got a little more. If nothing else, my Patriots fan friends would agree. It's going to be more fun knowing that New England's a little dinged up going into Bill's Mafia field and that. The craziest fan base in football is going to be electrified for Sunday because right now Buffalo is percentage points behind Baltimore for that sixth AFC seed. This is when the season gets good post Thanksgiving for some teams. <clears throat> it's been over for weeks. It's a very teams, emotional moment, Don. I you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I got a cold. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> getting worked. <laughs> Don's getting worked up about the slate here. No. no, I understand. Listen, it was Eli's time, Don. I understand. I'm over it. Okay. I am so on to Geno and Cincinnati. I'm on to Cincinnati. I'm on to Geno. Actually, I'm on to week 13. Yep. This has been the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Nick, a good show today. Appreciate the... Uh, thanks to Robert Smith for joining us, too. Thanks to Robert Smith. He made it good. Um, we even have a pinch hit producer today. Thanks to Brian Robb, who took over for Kevin Collins. Not sure what happened to Kevin. I think he's on a bender or something like that. But... You know the Irish around <laughs> this time of year. <laughs> I didn't say that, folks. Anyway, Eli, hang in there. We still love you. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Cover 2 podcast. Don't forget our fans in Germany. Ich bin ein Berliner. Hallo. Let them come to Berlin. <laughs> All right. That's for Don Banks and Nick Stevens and John F. Kennedy. Uh, another podcast in the books. Talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the runner. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's Diving to the goal line. It's going. A touchdown. It's and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.